Hello, I'm Jay Johnson. And I'm Pierce McLean. And welcome to this episode of the Cat Cave Cinema Podcast. From the deep recesses of the void, they came in search of wisdom and a greater understanding of the true nature of fear. Rejoice in your dread and enter the Cat Cave Cinema's podcast. Bleak Films Review from a Dark Place. All right. As you know from the mini episode, we are here to talk about the first purge. I, I, I like it. Okay. So this is the first Purge movie that has a new director. Yeah. Uh, I And I, I should have done some research about that, but I didn't. Would you please tell us about that director? He has very, very little directing credits. However, he is one of the producers of Fruitville Station. Okay, so, yeah. You know, th- th- there is... There is... That, that we should get into this. Like, yeah. this is a, a better... God, I don't even know how you get into this. Okay, I will get into this. I think that the first one was trying very much to be like a social commentary horror thing about race and class in America and the problematic ways in which it is vilified and the potential problems of dealing with that vilification through essentially genocide that was written and directed by a white dude. Right. Who and, yeah. this is still written by a white dude. However, right. uh, it's directed by a person of color who seems to have a little more understanding of the subject matter that he's dealing with. And it comes through in the film. Absolutely. Sure. And here is the thing. I'm going to go ahead and guess that the scripts of the Purge movies are a lot more like, and then this bad guy appears and they fight. So I'm going to guess a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the things is being ad-libbed, is being just sort of like thrown together in the moment. Because I refuse to believe that this is a heavily scripted film. See, I have mixed feelings about that. To me, I feel like it was something where it probably was heavily scripted and perhaps the wrong people were changing it uh, on set sometimes. And Oh, I... I think the opposite. I think that it, if anything, I think I can tell the moment, like the opening scene we get with Skeletor, the the junkie, that was clearly scripted. I know. I think what and I, bad. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps I'm not. I'm not saying what I mean correctly. Like, I think maybe that the writer and the director had a pretty clear vision for this film together. Like, I think the director doesn't just, you know, especially on a on a such a heavily. Uh, like, you know, stewarded franchise where this guy, James DeMonaco, uh, has had such a heavy involvement. Like, I'm sure he got together with this new director. Yeah. And they talked about it. And I just think they probably had a vision. And I guess what I'm saying is, is that it was more like the Hollywood side of things that were maybe making uh. some decisions on set that were very detrimental to this film. That's distinctly possible. I think my read on it is the director was doing everything he could to salvage garbage. Because there, yeah. there are moments in here that I get down with and that I enjoyed. Me too. But I feel like very much 
And I guess because of the fact that I hated the John DeMarco or whatever. James DeMonaco? James DeMonaco. Whatever the fuck his name is, it doesn't matter because his movies are garbage. But, like, I hated all the things he did so much that everything that worked in here, I attributed to the new director. Which I don't know if that's correct or not. Yeah, I kind of was doing the same thing. And, uh, you know, this is a movie that I really wanted to like more because I think if you were to, like, take a, a really removed an academic look at this movie, you could really especially isolate specific scenes and specific imagery that are really quite radical and quite interesting. Well, and that are clearly drawing on, like, 70s black exploitation films. And I think of, well, like... And but more than that, too. Sure. And like, there's just, like, really artsy, crazy shit, like uh, a fucking Nazi general who's made to look like Ronald Reagan, like, you know, taking like soldiers who have blackface masks on and taking them through a project house while uh, the hero drug dealer like fights them raid style. Like this is, uh, I should. (laughs) So we're going right to the climax. Well, (laughs) no, no, I I see what you're saying. I'm talking about this movie in general. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a, this is a movie that I should be getting down with, but there are really, really, really major things that hold it back, in my opinion, that are impossible for me to forgive, especially by the time I'm forced to have been watching a fourth one of these films. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that there are, and I honestly think the last 25 minutes of this movie is what I enjoyed. The rest of it, I laughed at. And like I think that there are like little hints of something throughout, but I feel like they managed to get a decent climax, but like... All the, like, it's it's very ham-fisted, the whole thing. And it, it's, it also just uh, really wastes major talent and opportunity. Like, so, first of all, let's say this. Uh, Marissa Tomei is in this movie? I know, right? What? It, what is going on in her life that made her think this was a good idea? I mean, paycheck. Because she's then, also, it's not like she she wasn't working. She's in the fucking MCU. She made it into right. the Spider-Man movie. She's got plenty going for her right now. She, I ha- have to imagine, just was like, yeah, I'll take, I'll take some money for probably what? Two days of shooting? Yeah. I'm going to say. And, and, well, and that gets into my main complaint about, you know, to me, it was just like, and you know, I am going to be jumping forward here, but I don't even think that it's going to be a, a, an important enough detail to get into when we get there as we go through the movie. But it's just like this actress is given an off-screen death, basically. Like, yeah. What are they thinking? Like, not, not giving your most talented actress. I mean, you think they want to use her in a, a sequel or something? No, I think she's definitely dead. I think they had her for maybe two days. They filmed the interior film, and they were like, oh, we needed to get one more shot. And she's like, well, I'm done. Goodbye. And, like, so, like, because we don't see her face. It's clearly just another person in the wig. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I think she was done filming, and then they needed to add that scene in, and they never got it with her. It's an example of just how this movie is more promise than anything else to me. And it just, like doesn't fulfill that promise over and over and over again, for for me at least. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I think you could have gotten rid of her entire subplot. Yes, and especially because some of it is just just bullshit window dressing for, like, making 
retconned excuses for why people in the purge like wear stupid masks and stuff like that. Yep. And, uh, and here's the thing. I got excited, though, by the fact that this movie both was trying so hard to build the universe because it's so bad. Yeah, and two, I, kinda, yeah. I love the exposition in this movie. And that's the point when the mic broke. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are going to have a little bit of a change in audio here again. Last time, as we mentioned, we were having some issues. We're having continued issues with these these here microphones of ours. So the rest of this, we're just going to do old school style with a computer mic. And it won't sound as good, but whatever. You'll get through it. And I'll fix it by next time. <laughs> so as I was saying, they have so little faith in their audience yeah. that it is just incredible. There is so much exposition and where they're like, here's what's happening. And then two scenes later, a new character will say, hey, that thing that they said was happening, this is what we were talking about. This is the thing that was happening. And I loved it. Oh my, I, it, to me, it just felt like, I felt like I was in some sort of bizarre feedback loop where <laughs> I was like, am I just experiencing the same thing over and over again? Like, it was bizarre. It was, yeah, it was embarrassing, but in a way that it hit that level of incompetency mixed with enough badass killing that I started to enjoy myself knowing how terrible it was. And I, all right. So I guess, I guess should we get into like the actual yeah. plot of this movie? So the first thing we have to talk about is the intro scene, which we already hinted at because it introduces the main villain. Question uh, mark? No, 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 no. I mean, he's the main villain through the first two thirds of the movie. No, not even first half. First <laughs> half. Anyways, we are introduced to this dude who is like got huge facial scars and is like a crackhead and like talk who's giving a little monologue directly to camera about how like he pipes up to deal with his anger and if he can't deal with that then he's just got a purge. Yeah, and he's just like this and he's in the in that scene he's wearing a prison uniform. Yes. And so you're you're I think, are you supposed to believe that he was just released out of prison? Or, like, what is the they deal never, with that? Okay. This is just jumping way ahead. Well, no, I'll, I'll say that I have a theory for the alternate story that got cut out. Okay, I do That too. explains why he's there. But you are right. It starts off with him seemingly with one of the new founding fathers of America people in a prison jumpsuit being interviewed essentially as, like, we're going to use him for the first purge. But it was in a series of interviews. Yes, it was with other people as well who were not seemingly in prison. Right. These were all volunteers. Yes. And that, yeah. So I'll, I'll explain. I, I'm curious to hear your theory as well. Do we want to just do it? Well, no, okay. Yeah, my, my theory isn't as much about him as about other characters. So you go with your character thing and I'll go with later with mine because I think this movie was supposed to be something completely different probably. Okay, well, no, I mean, I think we get, I mean, let's just get to the thing. I'll get, we get introduced to him, we get introduced to a few other people. The main other characters we get introduced to are Naya, her little brother, Isaiah, who are kind of like the good people, quote unquote, that are like, yeah. we're living, you know, we're living in poverty, but we're fighting and trying to make our communities better. And like, we're being oppressed and we're going to try and like, we're not going to give up and we're not going to 
cave into the what the purge, and we see what they're trying to and do. And they've both been tempted by lives of crime. And yeah. Stuff and, yeah, and then we get the kind of the anti-hero who sort of becomes the hero later, D. Dimitri. Dimitri, yeah. who they just all call D. Yeah. Who is essentially the like the drug kingpin of the neighborhood, who's kind of like of Staten Island. It seems like of Staten I mean, Island. Yeah, he really seems like probably the biggest guy. Yeah. yeah, and I mean. I but guess yeah, I call Staten Island a yeah, of the borough, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Although Staten Island, yeah. it's its own thing. It doesn't even count. Let's be real. <laughs> but um, someone is going to yell at me for that, but I don't care. Um, but so we're getting to that, and basically the story is they're going to. This is the first purge, and they're going to use Staten Island, and then we're introduced to. They're going to pay you five thousand dollars to participate if you stay on Staten Island, and you get more money essentially if you purge. Right, if you participate in certain activities. Yeah, and, and like that. for whatever reason, other than set, you know, needing to have a setting, which they do a lot of like video game map building of like these are our bases they say like the park hill towers are really the center of the neighborhood right. and how it goes here is how it's really going to show us whether this is successful or not and it's just like okay and it is very hard to figure out what like the the it, it doesn't seem like they've like it seems like any sort of real journalists have been eradicated from this this world that we're living in on this in this movie. I mean, there are journalists. There's journalists from all over the world in the intro scene that are like, this is very controversial. Oh, I can't believe this is happening. And they're all like interviewing people and like talking about it. But, yeah, but after that, all you see is like talking heads on the news and stuff. And to me, it did seem a little bit like, I to me, I, I was like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna like invoke journalism on this in this, which is like, and it should be a part of this story, I think, in a lot of ways, to just have it be like talking heads on the news and not have like, there was just such a, a good, good room for one of the characters on the ground to be a journalist. Sure, but that would cut against the whole message of like state-sanctioned propaganda being disseminated through the media. That is like the subtext, yeah. quote-unquote, of this movie. But, but, but the other, but the other side of that is the resistance. Sure. And so I just would have liked to have seen a, a little bit more of a... Like guerrilla journalism character put into, it's like... Yeah, or yeah. someone like, or one of the characters having their own, like, podcast or something about, like, you know, what's happening on the ground of the Purge and, like, trying to get real information out to the people of the world instead of just, like, you know, hanging out. I, I don't know. It's like sometimes a lot of the resistance in this movie is just, like, very strange to me, but... Yeah. I mean, I do think it is also, though, I mean, they close all the bridges. It is essentially martial law mm -hmm. by a authoritarian government. So, yeah. like, I think that in some sense I can at least forgive that. Of the, of all the glaring... all use their phones. They all are getting, they're all getting, like, they're getting updates, like, directly on their phones. Sent by the government. Stuff. We don't know that. I... I mean, who else has the ability to... Like, when the first saying, kill... Of, they, they say, get it out there. Well, and yeah. And get it out there to the news. And so, well, it's like getting out to them via social media, I think, on their phone. Oh, I disagree. Because I think when the first kill of the Purge happens, literally every single person at the Purge party gets the exact same video sent to them at I the exact same the time. too much credit. I took that very much as, like, an emergency broadcast type of situation. The same way that, like, fucking everyone got a tweet from fucking Trump. I, I, a, a text I, from the federal government. I mean, I, like, I know what you're saying, but I, I don't know. I, I didn't think that that concept was... At least if that's what they were going for, you got it, and I don't think many other people did. That's... I mean, that's fair. And, <laughs> and I, yeah, I don't know. I just thought, like, 
in a world where they're like, they have access to their cell phones and they have access to, uh, you know, free thought still and things like that. I just thought that there was, I don't know. It's like, they're trying to, they're trying to, to, to lift up the people from, you know, they're trying to make these characters seem like good characters and stuff like that, but they're not given proper due in my opinion. Like, Oh yeah. And, and just the scenes at the beginning of the thousands of people from the neighborhood going to sign up willingly for the purge. I, I don't think it's earned at all. They don't earn the fact that this version of America is so destitute that you would do anything for $5,000 and some food. And you're, you're trying to have your cake and eat it too by, by uplifting these neighborhoods and saying that these are where that like the people who live in these neighborhoods are the ones who would be willing to go and sign up for the purge. And I, I just think like, this is where, even a new director who has a very strong vision isn't undoing enough of the framework of these shitty movies to make it to make it a viable like premise. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I disagree. I think that in the grand scheme of things, when the story unfolds, all the people seemingly who are willing to take that $5,000 and stay on Staten Island because they need the money aren't purging. They're taking the money and then they're having parties that's, and they're walking around. So like true, but they, they, they only go half in the bag with that concept too, because they don't, oh yeah, but, they don't cause they don't look those, those old women who are like trying to set up, booby traps in the alleys made out of baby dolls uh, or playing whip it uh, like <laughs> I loved it I mean I'm not saying I didn't like it but I'm saying like I don't think that, that fits in with what you're saying <laughs> oh I'm not saying that it makes a cohesive this is what I'm saying is I think that there are glaring potholes in all of this but yeah. like so I feel like some of them I'm able to explain through the universe and I'm willing to do that solely because there are other ones that are unexplainable. I, I think what it comes down to for me and like I, as I was really like trying to dig into what was making me feel so uncomfortable as I was watching this movie is that it seems to me like through all four of these films, the first priority has always been make the purge cool. And, like, make the people who are doing the purging look cool. And it's like, everything's got to be cool. And by putting that emphasis on cool first, you don't you don't want to give anybody who's making these films the benefit of the doubt. And so it's like this obsession with coolness really takes away the impact of the scariness, in my opinion. And, like, it takes away by, by like, making it slick and fun to look at. It, it just makes it so much less impactful and scary and interesting to me. Are these supposed to be scary? Or are they yes. social action? No, they're supposed to be scary. See, I think of this much more as an action franchise than a horror franchise. I... Like, it has horror elements for sure in the gore, and, like, it's the same way that it's, like, that weird overlap territory. But first and foremost, this is, like, survival action. It's... Yeah, 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 but it's supposed to be scary. You're supposed to be scared. Like, you're supposed to think this is a scary, terrifying concept that this sure. could happen. And you're supposed to be... And, and, like, I don't think they're making these movies to, to like, just make you be, like... You're not supposed to get the same thing, the same, like, uh, I guess, like, feedback, like, 
from these movies as an action movie would give you, in my opinion. I feel like you're supposed to get a very similar feeling and feedback that horror movies usually give you, especially mainstream ones. But I can see that to some extent. It just also, I guess maybe because it never succeeds, I feel like it's more, it more falls into like a trauma horror movie or like a gore movie or like Ricky O to me in the sense of, I think that this is more meant to be shocking and less actually meant to be scary other than the occasional jump scare. Yeah, I guess there are, there's just, they, they try to like, they do the, this is so fucked up it's scary kind of thing or yeah. anything else. Like with the, uh, the, the, the guy like with the snare. Uh, wait, I want to talk extensively about that scene. So let's wait to get there. But Really quick, Skeletor. We got off track oh, here. Jesus Christ. This is going to be a clusterfuck, but I think the here's what I think. There was a movie in which Skeletor was a main character. Yeah, and had to have been. I think here's how it worked. We get scenes as like it's sort of starting that like we are introduced to Naya and Dee, and Naya is very much like leading protests against the purge and D is sort of like, I'm not down with this, but I'm not getting involved because like I have my own business. I have my own life to take care of. And like, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I'm keeping my head down on this and I'm protecting what's mine. There is a story here in which the new founding fathers of America take Skeletor out of prison, put him in here specifically as both a plant to get the purge going and also as an assassin to kill Nye. Because later in the movie, we get introduced to him where he comes yeah, he, up to it, it Isaiah. Is, it is weird that he wants that he that he wants anything to do with her. Like that's not really yeah. Really because yet. when we first meet him out of after the intro, he runs into Isaiah, who's selling drugs for D to try and make money so they can get out of their broken down apartment. Which at which point I wrote the wire. This is not. Yeah, no, the wire. This is not. But definitely playing on the same things of like. See, look, he's a good kid who's stuck right. in this horrible situation. He's taking the one option he does to try and escape his situation. Blah, blah, blah. Like, drug dealers aren't monsters yeah. type of thing. It's trying to send that message ham-fistedly, but trying to send it. No, crackheads are, though. But, but crackheads are. Well, not all of them. <laughs> I know. Just, I'm just, just Skeletor. Saying, I'm just saying. Like, but yes, but Skeletor comes up to him, and he clearly, first of all, doesn't know who he is. Uh, right. And they they have this moment where he's like, you're new here and you must be, I don't know you because I, I know everybody. Right. And it's like, you should give me drugs for free because I'm going to be your best customer. And he's like, who the hell are you, crackhead? Yeah. What are you, Skeletor? <laughs> Which right there, he sets up, I'm nicknaming you Skeletor because I don't know who you are. Yet later in the film, everyone I knows know. who Skeletor know. is. It's amazing. And Skeletor refers to himself as Skeletor. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, wait, so that scene was added when they abandoned yes. Skeletor as a main story. Very clearly, yeah. Because later on, when he is hunting him, there's a connection. They know each other. Yeah. And this was a story that was focused solely on them and was getting rid of the political story about the New Founding Fathers of America as like... And I don't think it's Isaiah was maybe involved in the drug trade at all in the original. No. Right? I, think, I think the purge is what he was... like. Just his, his like, he was interested in the purge. He was interested in the purge. Naya was leading the protests against the purge. And that's the family conflict. And then they get brought together by Skeletor, who has been taken out of prison by the conspiracy of the government. 
to go and kill Naya, who is leading the protests against the purge. I think that's right. And I think the- which which explains at the end why when he grabs Naya, Skeletor does in like the standoff moment where he's been hunting Isaiah. He's like, "Where's your brother, Naya?" And it's like, "Wait, they've never met. Right? How does he know who she is?" He, but he he references her multiple times before that. He talks about her at, in the in the scene where he's where he slashes his neck. He talks about Naya. He's he he, he does. Yeah, he references Naya several times uh, uh, before that. Okay, well, the point still stands. But, but no, still, no, I should no, have it, recognized it, no, it earlier. Confirmed yeah. what you're saying more than anything that he was sent there, like because he has like a pamphlet of information on her. Yeah. It's not not seems like we're old friends. It seems like I have this <laughs> Yeah. Of course that raises the question when he chapters Naya, why doesn't he kill her? Because he has right. her with a knife to her throat and he's like, Where's your brother? Which makes it seem like he's trying to kill the brother, which maybe that's just his know. pride getting in the way or something. But that's the, for me the I think the other cutout plot line yeah. is the three wise men. Oh, 100%. I think they were supposed to be perhaps the original main characters of the movie, maybe, or even, or like, or, or like at, least, a, at least a main subplot. Yeah. And, you know, because you, you check in with them so hard at the beginning of the movie, you establish the three are. different personalities they have, what their names are, and, and then that they... nothing until like minute 68 or yeah. something, and only for... 10 minutes at most. Yeah. And that they are clearly like old street dudes who like right. were like, they were the guys back in the day and D looks up to them and they kind of probably mentored D along his way to sort of like become the, the kingpin of Staten right. Island's like underground economy and blah, 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 blah. And so like, but yeah, they get introduced as like, here are three badasses along with the, like the ladies with the dolls right. who then both of them get like three minute segments yeah. halfway through the movie. And a couple of the people that they show explicit interviews with in the purge section that you think might come back just don't. Like where they're where you're seeing them have interviews with the NFFA, you're yeah. like these characters are going to come back, and then they just don't. It's very this movie was clearly just put together in the editing suite with whatever they had, and just kind of like, all right, I'm going to make a, a coherent something out of what you've given me, and then you have to have to go do some reshoots. Yeah, that's <laughs> how I felt. No, I I agree with that. Um, which I think is why there are parts of this movie that I genuinely enjoyed and parts of it that I enjoyed because they were so terribly bad. But before we get away from Skeletor real fast, also, yeah, I yeah, just yeah. want to say that my least favorite thing in a Purge movie ever is his Wolverine claws. <laughs> his needle claws? I just despised that. I thought it was so stupid. Oh yeah, especially because... We're expected to believe that those hypodermic needles that he has taped what a, to a it's glove. It's like what a nine-year-old would think is cool or effective. Well, yeah, that's the thing, is he uses that to stab someone and kill them. Yeah. The needles are maybe an inch long, and they're needles. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Like, and it'd be one thing if it was like they were injecting poison, but we don't see that seemingly like he stabs a dude who's trying to like break into an ATM, and that guy bleeds out from the three puncture well, wounds of the needle. also. He yeah, but he doesn't stab him with that that I, I noticed. Know. Yeah. It's, oh yeah, but it's bad. Yeah. It's it's very bad. But I do, although that does get, God, we're all over, but I'm just, I just want to talk about Skeletor. But like, the pur basically the purge fucking starts, which before, before we get to that, the purge starts and I actually want to have a political discussion. There's 
Naya and Dee clearly have a history and that gets sort of like not said, but sort of set up like clearly there's like probably romantic, probably a romantic past. At the very least, they grew up together. But like, it's very clear that it was like we were once together, but like we've gone on different paths. We have different feelings. Yeah. Like I want to like, I want to save this neighborhood and like confront the political situation and you want to, you know, do what's best for you and like, you know. It exploit the situation for your own gain and be like, it's not my job to fix the world. Right. And so it's like the idealist versus the pragmatist in like in an oppressive situation type of thing. And she gives a monologue basically about how he's destroying the community and like the purge is here one night a year. You're here doing this shit 364 days a year. And the whole time I'm like, is this nuanced politics about inner city oppression and choices, or is this just moralistic bullshit? And I still am not sure. See, that's that's where I come down on it, too. And I think it's very much by design. And I think that is sort of what this movie does, is it puts out a bunch of really interesting concepts, and then it doesn't pull the thread. Yeah. And so it's like smart people, or not smart people, but people who want... People who want this type of feedback from their film like us can really dig in and find stuff to latch onto and find interesting, but the film doesn't really take that many stands after that. Like, it it puts you in an interesting place to think about stuff that we probably think about all the time anyway, and I don't think it does much with it. Yeah, because I think there is a story there where, like, she is being very moralistic towards... And, like reasonably so like to say that like d isn't doing shitty things like he's selling drugs in the community and he's like you know killing people if they cross him like he's not a good dude but like also to say that he's the cause of structural oppression is also overstating things and like he is also trapped in this system and trying to survive in a different way than her and the fact that he does have a redemption arc and becomes the hero of the movie sort of does have the ability, had they done it, which I agree that they, they don't, for her to, like, her to sort of recognize my moralizing against people in this community that are trying to survive is misplaced aggression, and him realizing me just being predatory because I'm trying to survive isn't an excuse to ignore the structural oppression that I should be using, the power I've amassed to fight against, which he literally does, but, like... They don't ever do enough with it for either of those stories to get told. It yeah. basically just becomes they both fight together because they have to. And like, well, as long as we're going to both die, we might as well put our differences aside and fight to survive. Right. I, You know, and I guess here's another just as long as we're just like really diving into the politics. Another thing that sort of made it hard for me to get fully on board with this movie is that at some point towards the, the, the end of the film, I sort of realized like, if I had the exact opposite politics as the ones I have, there would still be a lot for me to latch on to in this movie and have fun with. And, like, I kind of realized that towards the end that, like, while, yes, they show a lot of, like, really shitty white people getting slaughtered at the end in a really satisfying way, there's also just so much, like, like just destruction of black bodies played for entertainment in this movie. And there's so much, like, like white guys controlling the world and getting away with it in this movie. And there's just so much, like, in a way where it's like, oh, 
I think they're trying to not piss off the other the other side of this debate as well and make and try to collect their money. Uh, I don't know if I agree. I mean, I think I agree with you. They're a racist, you know, nationalistic prick could watch this movie and enjoy it. But I think you could say the same thing for like Get Out. I think I, you could no, say no, no, the same thing for Tales from the Hood. I know. Like, I, I, know like, I, think, I think maybe I didn't make my point well enough. Then I think what I would let me let me rewind a little bit and just say. I think it's baked into the way the movie is presented in a way that is not in those other films. I think this movie does really subtle filmmaking Hollywood tricks that, that like feels like taken from focus groups to like soften certain blows here and there to make the people who are just going into this movie without anything other than wanting to like have a good time. There is, there is it pulls punches on, on on people, I think, sometimes. And not in, not in a way where it's like, I feel like the director was doing that. I feel like it was like the studio and maybe like, it was like, ah, let's take this. It just felt very, um, like, by, by making it so you have to really, uh, I, I see what you're saying. I think you're giving too much credit to this movie, though, because I think that that requires an a level of nuance that I don't think that they are capable of. I think they're capable of nuance when it comes to making money. Sure. But I think like in the grand scheme of things, like the only people I could say you could say they take this easy on could be like the figure that the alt-right presents themselves to be of like, we're not the clan. We're like, you know, we're reasonable people that like are just like, we're not racist. We just believe in like, you know, culture you know culture should be available to everyone and like you know that bullshit of like coding things and like they don't uh, expressly address that specifically because literally the police are just nazis and literally the militias are just in kkk robes so like it's but so overt that we don't, I, we don't see as much explicit police in this movie it's so much i mean we get government gangs and like mercenaries but we get the literal scene where like on a baseball field. No, I know. I know. Like, but those, but even those guys seem like they could be gangs dressed up like police officers, to made to make people see those images and things like that. But sure, but I don't think anyone could watch that scene and I see know, that I iconography know, and not see that they are trying to, uh, not even like that they are making a point to just really, really not subtle. I, I get it. I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying this is like a white power movie, but I'm saying I'm saying there are subtle and nuanced things in here that are are much harder for me to wrap my head around, like the Marissa Tomei character and the fact that she is played as a as a relatively good person. Sure. And it, which is fucking bonkers, fucking bonkers. Yeah. And it's disgusting. And it's like there had to be a white lady in this movie for people to identify with. And the way that they get you to identify with her is just, it just lets her off the hook for this insane shit. No, absolutely. That that you are right on, hundred percent. And that is for white audiences. <laughs> and that is for that is to make, get their money and make them feel more comfortable while sitting there. Sure. Yeah. They definitely, in that sense, you're absolutely right. There does need to be the token good white person that you can be like. We're not saying all white people are like this, and like you know. So, yes, that is totally there, and I agree with you. And even that brutal NFFA rep that, you know, ends up getting her assassinated, he's like, he seems to be, he almost seems a couple times, like, morally conflicted with what he's oh. doing and, like, oh, no. biting his nails and, like, 
I think he's nervous that his plan is working. And yeah. like I think I think he had all the militias as a contingency plan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I think in the end he started to worry. He's like this is going so cuz like basically we get into the purge and like it people aren't purging. Right. Like that's the thing and he has to send out these militias because Which people, is a great concept. Yeah. yeah. Cuz people aren't doing it cuz right. he's like you told me and like that's why he's like kind of like oh shit cuz he's like I have to go to plan B and like this is a riskier plan. Like if this yeah, could have no, just yeah, gone to yeah. gone to thing where these like were these fucking poor monsters that I wanted to kill each other. If they would have just done what I thought they would do, I wouldn't have to take any risks. I could have just been like, see, it was all like I said. I think the way the actor who portrayed that guy played him wasn't just a nervous energy. It was like somebody who was uh, doing his job well. And there was like, there was just enough in there to, to let him a little bit more off the hook, too, in a weird way. Not not off the hook, but just, like, portray him as normal, almost. That's the thing, though. I mean, that could be... I, I see what you're saying. Although you could also read that as, you know, a banality of evil argument, where it's yes. like, he is normal. He is, he is who people elect. He is, like, you know, who runs our government, blah, 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 blah. Like, so, like, in some senses, that could... If I read it that way, that he played off as normal, I think that would have been even more politically interesting. I don't... I didn't read him as that. I read him very much as a supervillain. Yeah, I did too. It's just, I guess I guess what I was really trying to grapple with as I was watching this movie is that, as I did go into the world and talk to our friends about these Purge movies in the past, it seemed like a lot of the time people were really imprinting their own politics onto these relatively blank slate films that deal with more radical concepts than other mainstream horror movies tend to deal with. And I just am wondering how far that can go. And as I was trying to like critically look at this movie, I was like, I do think I would, I would just really be interested in talking to someone with really different politics in mind about how they feel about these Purge movies and see if they imprint their politics onto them as well. And, you know, it's it's the danger of making these sort of cool movies, I think. And I don't know. I think these the coolness of these movies really does not do them any favor sometimes. I think here's the thing about these, though. I would say for one, less so, but for two and three, certainly, I think that they are white power movies, in all honesty. Like, I, I think, like, those movies, like, literally are the white savior coming into the ghetto to disarm the dangerous black people and then arm himself to save them. Yeah, yeah, I mean... And so, like, but this one doesn't have that. Like, this one actually... And, like, I think it's because of the fact that this is the first one directed by a person of color that, like, doesn't, you know, get... And, I mean, maybe calling them white power movies is overly, you know, is hyperbolic. They are... They are essentially unexamined white racism movies about a, a white man's burden and white savior complexes. So, like, I'm being hyperbolic. Oh, yeah, but, but this movie, I think, while it totally fails in a lot of its critique, at least it doesn't fail into strictly saying, like, you know, white people need to save the black people. <laughs> right. And I, uh, but I guess as I, as I, I'm just like... Is like just to continue on a little bit with what I'm saying. It's like okay, so for example, to me, one of the things that was the most interesting concept is that as we were saying, once they start purging, all that really happens when you take away uh, the rule of law is that uh, we throw better parties. 
And, <laughs> and we get to come out dressed as furries. Right. And so, well, and that I was think, my favorite. but I think there's actual commentary there. Like, I think that's like, it's like, it's like, we are, we, we suppress our natural urges and desires because we live in a society that is controlled by people that want us to suppress those things. And when you sure. take them away, they're more free and we're less suppressed. And like, I love that idea. I love that concept. And I was like, if these movies were actually, like, I think, interested in tearing into, like, interesting stuff, then they would spend more time on this. Absolutely. And it's by, like, switching immediately to having to have Skeletor come into that party and start just stabbing Which, everybody left hang on, and hang right. Hang on, hang on, Slow down, because I want to talk about that so well, yeah. much. Then let's get into it. But I'm just saying, like, it just, it, it seems to... It just never seems to want to latch on to the right stuff. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that is a failing of the director. And I, I'm with you. I think this director turned this franchise around in a lot of ways, but that these Purge movies are beyond saving oh, because I of these things. I, 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 let me reiterate again. I enjoyed watching this movie. It is garbage. Yeah. It is pure fucking garbage. Like, and I enjoyed it in the same way that like, you know, I enjoyed like dumpstered vegan donuts. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, yeah. yeah, these fucking garbage donuts were like were fucking gross and delicious, yeah. and they're terrible, and I shouldn't be eating them, but I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, I guess I was just not in the mood for garbage donuts at two thirty or three in the morning. Oh, last that's night. the best time. That's <laughs> when you gotta go when the factory's closed. You get them garbage donuts. <laughs> R.I.P. The vegan donut dumpster in Chicago. All right, well, let's get into that party then. So, I guess I don't even have a lot to say. I mean, we get the... Well, first, before we do that, I have to say the contacts are garbage. I hate it. Everyone is wearing... Oh, my God. First off, this is in the past. Yeah. I mean, in the Purge well, franchise it's supposed past. to be like... Yeah, it's our it's, future. Right. By, like, just a couple years. I yeah, think. it's our near future, and it's, like, the semi, you know, the semi-near past from the Purge movies. Right. But there is technology in this movie that does not make appearances in any of the other Purge movies. I think Purge it's not movies. semi. I think it's 18 years. It's 18 years. Okay. I think, because that's what I think they said in the third Purge movie, that she was trying to end it after, like, 18 okay, years sure. of the Purge existing. Okay, so this is a while. This is, like, almost a generation yeah. back. And there have been, like, these, like, contacts that make your eyes glow and that are also act as recording devices. Yeah. That, wild. And, like, drones following people around with, like, trackers in their arms. Yeah. That are, like... And I'm just, like... So, I mean, I guess you could say, oh, well, the purge is nationwide, so they can't afford to give everyone contacts anymore. But... But that technology is beyond anything that anyone had... Because, like, if we've got that, and then the purge happens, people are making future weapons. And not only that, but people are only wearing those contacts when it's convenient for the movie's aesthetic. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it doesn't, it's not consistent at all. There's no, yeah, it, they really don't get into which members of the community were going to be more likely to to get down with the NFFA than others. Like, it doesn't, it's not for any purpose, really, uh, other yeah. than the aesthetics. Yeah, and so the only other thing before we talked about the party and the two ladies arriving at Dee's place, uh-huh. uh, which go as like an inner cut action sequence right. or whatever is I have to talk about people hunker down because the purge has started, but it's not, people aren't really purging and we get 
Naya hunkered down in the church with like her the activists in the community organization, and then we get D hunkered down in essentially his like community center for youth yeah. slash drug Mich- drink, like mansion, like, yeah, <laughs> drug mansion, yeah. So like it's so sort of yeah weird thing. But we're introduced in the church to the comic relief of the film, oh, yeah. Dolores. Yeah. I don't have a lot to say about that character. I just have to say she's she's giving it her she's all. She's trying, yeah. She, she's like, trying. I give so much credit to the actress because, like, she is somehow mm-hmm. charming despite the fact that it is like your role is so ridiculous. Like, she literally is I like think some of her readings are trying to point out how bad the writing. Perhaps, yeah. Whatever it is, she manages to, like, take what is an offensive stereotype role and, like, make it almost passably enjoyable in, like, a way where she's, like... like an eccentric. Yeah. Right. Yeah, she somehow pulls... She polishes that turn to the best of her ability. And she deserves some credit for that. Because literally she has lines, like, she sneaks into... In the church, she sneaks up into the rectory or whatever and finds the priest's stash of alcohol and yeah. fills a flask with it and as she's drinking it and Nia, Naya is like oh man you got to he's gonna see you and they're kind of like being bad kids in church despite the fact that she's like a 50 year old woman or something yeah and she talks about like shitting on herself later <laughs> but she literally says she takes a drink she's like, she's like oh this tastes like old man ass yeah <laughs> like, oh, you have to specify the type of ass it was like oh man I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to get. I don't want to get too much deeper into this character. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, so that she she comes up later. So I just wanted to give her her introduction and her little tip of the hat to you. You gave it your all, lady. I, and I think she was originally maybe not going to make it, and then they reshot it. Re- like I think test audiences did not like her dying. Was yeah, my, is my guess because there's a very, and I think Skeletor. My my thing with Skeletor. Is that yeah, yeah. I think he was going to be reintroduced in a completely different, re, like reintroduced back into the movie in a completely different way originally when they get back to the apartment. Oh, you thought, okay. I and because, like, I was like, he's hiding in the closet. Like, he's clearly hiding in one of her closets and, like, went back to her apartment after he got stabbed. Oh. See, I thought you were going to say, because I also thought that was the other weird thing. Like, oh, Isaiah was bleeding earlier. I thought I got all of it. And it's just, like, such a clear, like, oh, oh yeah. no, 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 no. He's in the closet. Like, yeah. And he got stabbed earlier. Yeah, 100% there was that. But then there was also the weird redemption moment for Skeletor. Yes! Where, like, suddenly... I think that was just all reshoot, where they're just I like, agree. We, we need a convenient way to get them out of this. Yeah. And we need to reintroduce that character back in. And we need to, un like, cover our tracks for the storyline where he was working for the right. NFA, so we'll have him... He's just crazy, so he'll, right. we have him kill NFA mercenary people. Right, like, right. yeah, but, like... But there's that. But anyways, the party. Yeah. My favorite thing of, wait, what is happening? This doesn't make any sense. What is the motivation of this? Is when everyone's having this big, massive street dance party. Everyone's drinking. Everyone's going crazy. Like, it's a block party. Everyone's having fun. And, like, the NFFA dude is pissed because it's like they're supposed to be killing each other. And there are multiple ones that popped up all over the island. And Skeletor arrives. With needle fists, bloody, huge facial scars, face tattoos, and open sores yeah. all over his fucking head and face. 
and this sexy lady just started starts dancing up on him. Yeah. And I'm like, you are at this party and you looked at that dude covered in blood with open sores all over his face and you're like and hypodermic yeah. needles coming out of his hands. Yeah, he's like, yeah, that's that's the guy who I'm gonna get with tonight. Let's do this. And I'm like, wait, why is she dancing with Skeletor? It was bad. I loved it so much. I, I did I see I was just not enjoying any of this stuff. Like, yeah. I am I'm I'm like I wish maybe I had seen this in a better in a better mindset, but all this stuff, I was just like, I hate it, I hate this, we keep moving, like, god damn it, get me through this. <laughs> yeah, the party was also the point where I was like, why is everyone calling him Skeletor? Yeah. That was a throwaway nickname that he gave him, because he didn't know his name, and now everyone knows him. I thought, yeah, I thought maybe they said it like, god, I I wrote so many things about Skeletor, I was like, Skeletor sucks, Skeletor is unnecessary, <laughs> like, I, I just... So bummed out by him. Every time he I mean, showed up, I was like, oh, this scene's fucking ruined. 100% accurate that Skeletor sucks and Skeletor is unnecessary. But for some reason, how bad it was just made me laugh every time they did a Skeletor scene. Because I was like, what are they talking about? And that that actor is also very much going for it. Oh, yeah, he is. Like They definitely were like... Never once told him pull it back. Yeah, oh yeah. There's like, oh, you're being way too human in this scene. <laughs> you have to act way crazier and less human. Yeah, but so we get that Skeletor starts killing people at the party. The party pegs out, and at the same time, these two sex workers, girlfriends. I don't. They, they it seem, was they unclear seem, what their role. They seem to be sex workers. Yeah, yeah. where they're like they or like just people who are paid to spend time with him. Sure. They they were hanging out with D and they try to kill him and it turns out we learned that like he basically had told his crew that no one's purging and right. then there was the, the insubordinate guy, A, who yeah. who is like, I want to purge and then they beat him up and we're just used to blades in that moment. And it turns out of course that guy's out purging and he paid these people to kill D so he could take over the Empire. Whatever. Yeah. Random subplot we don't <laughs> fucking need. Um, which, and then we get, you know, we get the scene with Isaiah roaming about, we get the old ladies that happened before the party, which we sort of already talked about them, but I do feel the need to point out whoever made the choice to have Whippet be the, like, uh, and not the Devo Whippet, the, I don't, what's the actual name of that song? I, I, I wish I could remember, but like the whole scene is just, it's like a fever dream. Like you feel like you're watching a different movie all of a sudden. Yeah, it's two old ladies with shopping carts full of gasoline and baby dolls yeah. and teddy bears. Seeing the whip it, baby, gotta whip it right yeah. here, whip. And like walking around and Isaiah encounters them in an alleyway, which why he keeps walking through alleys on Purge Night is weird. It's... And they have rigged the whole alley with baby doll bombs. Yeah. Like, rigged up with, like, cell phones and explosives. It and I'm like... felt straight out of, like, Batman the Animated Series. It yeah. was so over the top. And all I could think was, like, where did these random old ladies both, like... They haven't been established as having access to explosives, nor have they been established as having electronics experience. All they say when they're interviewed together by the NFFA at the beginning of the movie is just, uh, like, we're always being made fun of in the neighborhood and we're sick of it. Yeah. And seemingly we're to understand that they made all of those bombs. I mean, I guess they could have pre-made those bombs, but they rigged it all up essentially in the first hour of The Purge. 
And he was just like, what is going on? This is amazing. But we get the cat and mouse warehouse scene. You know, blah, blah, blah. Skeletor is hunting Isaiah. Nia goes, or Nia goes out to save her brother. Mm-hmm. And we, they meet up at the warehouse. And as she's on her way, we have this scene that is... I think the best worst scene in the movie. Oh, the snare. The snare scene, which I will say, this is very obviously a rush job horror movie. And I think some of the reshoots were, and like ADR, was specifically made to be like, oh, we're going to make a purge scene for the Trump era. Right, yeah. And the scene, which is the height of the lack of subtlety that this movie has, and the need to explain things to your audience, where I, I want to talk about it, but like literally, the scene is Naya gets her leg snared and gets pulled towards the sewer. The sewer, literally the sewer, and a man pops out who has a baby head on his face. on his face. Like his mask is just a baby doll face, so he's a man baby. And it's a toy crying, and it's like a crying baby. <laughs> That literally grabs her by the crotch. Yeah. And then, as if you couldn't figure out what they were referencing, she maces him, and as she's walking away, yells, pussy-grabbing motherfucker. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I just, like, I guess I did laugh. Like, it did laugh. At this point, I was like, all right, this is, like, funny to me. Like, this part did kind of was like, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. It was so bad that I had that I just, like, burst out. And I saw this movie in the theaters as oh, well. That's right. You know, I may have had a different feeling about this movie if I had seen it in theaters. I, I will say that. If I had seen this with an audience and I could have experienced it with an audience, I may have been more on board for this shit. Yeah, because that was definitely the moment in the theater where, like, half the theater laughed and half the theater groaned. Right. And that mixed reaction just made me lose my shit. Right. And so it was like, I loved it for the reason of it was just, like, so trying, so hard. It reminds me, I think I've made this about the Purge movies before, this analogy, but it reminds me of, like, a small child making a joke. When they accidentally do something funny and then they're like, yeah, because it was this. You get it? And you're like, yes, I understood when you, when you made the joke. That's why I laughed. You don't need to explain it to me. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you did. And now it's just awkward for yeah. all of us. God, yeah. Though, you know, I will say the only thing this movie did get really right, in my opinion, was uh, the characters are just always like stressed out and anxious in a way that feels... Very on par with today's political anxiety in terms of just, like, the way they're just like, I don't know what's going on ever, like, fucking stressed out, like, what the fuck is happening? And, like, that, they they do it right at a time where they're trying to share information and, like, it, it does try to get into, like, hey, aren't we all feeling a little crazy these days? And yeah. I think and it does actually a good job of that. I agree. And, honestly, had they been thinking better, they needed... And I think that's honestly why, and now I'm just realizing this, why those other Purge movies feel so reactionary is because they fucking are. Because all of these are rush jobs making, you know, kind of playing on the social anxieties of the moment. Right. And the social anxieties of the moment of the original Purge sequels was very much like, a black president and black lives matter protests and like 
suddenly yeah. like things that we've always done are being called racist and like you know and like we're going to have a reactionary backlash to that I- I think those movies try to have it both ways, too. And, like, you could also say that they were a reaction to a really scary election coming up. And, like, they were a reaction to, like, over overstepping of government, like, you know, uh, powers and things like that. And just feeling controlled by outside forces all the time. So, like, you could, you again, yeah. I, think, I think, like I said, people imprint their own politics on these movies. I agree with you that they are reactionary in the moment and that perhaps... The moment was a little l- less. It was a little. Uh, it wasn't as simple as before, and so yeah. this perhaps this is the purge movie that gets it right because it's the easiest one to get right. A hundred percent. That's right. why, I'm like you know, and like they they grasp onto a cultural fear that is not that challenging because, exactly. with the exception, right. you know, in the right. Trump era, with the exception of like literal racist, sexist, homophobes, like you know, and like the extremely wealthy at this point in time, most people that aren't one of those things are like, you know, to say like, Oh, Trump is bad and he's making the world more divisive and scary. I think most people are kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like it's not a dangerous ground to tread upon. Right. Exactly. So like that is, I think why some of the ham fistedness of this manages to still work and doesn't fall into offensive territory quite as much. Though I would say, like... I think that's a good take on that. Yeah, because I... But I do think, like, you know, yeah, the fear of government overreach that is being played on in the other movies is much more shit, like, you know, it's not like Obama... You know, there's legitimate critiques of, like, the continuation of, you know, military interventionism and drone warfare that, like, you know... The, you know, the status quo neoliberalism of the Democratic Party that is really just making, you know, centrism a, a, a good thing that, like, somehow, like, and the left is a dangerous thing. It, the things they're playing on is much more like Obamacare and, like, death panels and, like, you know, bullshit right-wing nonsense. Although, although, I mean, if you're being honest, like, you know, uh, the... The insanity that was the Obama era executive orders. Is, oh, hundred percent. Sure. Like, yeah, obviously, like. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm not. I'm certainly like you know. I mean, like the the unilateral decision making of the government. The rise like, of yeah. power of the executive right. branch did not start with fucking Trump. Of it course, didn't right, start with right, Obama. Right, it didn't start right, with Bush. Right. But like, it has been on a steady uptick with each of the exactly. Yeah. You know, from basically like you know post-Watergate, you know, post-Reagan onward, it's basically been like the executive has been amassing more and more and more power, and that is you know, that is not a partisan issue, that is a literal like, you know, an issue that crosses you know, party lines, and is very much like, headed towards increased unilateral decision-making by the executive, 100%. And so I guess I just like, I guess for me, and that's also just like where if you're if a, a if a good purge movie was going to happen, there uh, there would be a journalist character, and for God's sake, there'd be a fucking queer hero in one of these movies too. I mean, yeah, uh, sure, but I I'm think... just I'm just saying, like, or at least a character <laughs> that 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 reads as such at all. Oh yeah, I mean, these movies, like, that's the thing. This movie is still really problematic, right. and like that's a th- like I'd say like the moralism of, and I, that's you know I'm pointing to sort of the moralism of like, oh if you know, and the rewriting of history because I think you the the critical reading of the race politics of this movie, the 
the forgiving reason is they're like, yeah, look, there it's a bunch of people like it's a black exploitation movie in which black people kill white power people. Right. Like, awesome. The critical reading is like, oh, this is remythifying the idea of like the civil rights movement as a totally peaceful, non-confrontational church-based movement that doesn't actually challenge you that much versus the dangerous, you know, the dangerous revolutionaries and like, you know, the crime, crime-ridden lumpen proletariat that's going to kill us all. And it's like, that's a bullshit reading of history. Like both the peaceful protests had a, you know, had a supplementary wing of black power and the peaceful protest of like the civil rights era, despite very much being a church-based movement, was not non-challenging and was not non-confrontational. And like, so like to have it be sort of sanitized in that way as like this, just like a moral upstanding respectability politics, moralism, like for me. And yeah, for me, I, I get much more like ups, like, I guess that's a, deeper reading than I had gone down with. And, and like, I'm not, I, I'm glad you did that. Uh, but for me, one of the other things that's so insidious about this movie is the, just the visual language of it. And to me, the visual language, it, 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 it feels, it feels, uh, it does, it just feels exploitative sometimes. And it doesn't, it, but not, and I mean that word literally and yeah. not, not, you know, uh, artistically. And though Harkin back exploitation films were often both. I get that, yeah. but that's I, that's just not what this is. <laughs> like I don't think that's a fair thing to to put in this movie, to like or put on this movie in like a fair uh, a fair world to put it in really because it doesn't go far enough with any of it to really be earned in my opinion. Sure. And the the visual language in general is just uh it's it's all these movies just pedal easy answers and absolutely and simplicity and i yeah, absolutely i guess by by the fourth time around i'm just it's just like exhausting more than anything to me yeah there's no nuance in this movie yeah like everything that is nuanced is like shit you have to project right and I, you know i i do it just seemed like too too freeform too collaborative and not enough of the the point of view of the person who was clearly trying to take control of this franchise a little bit. Yeah. So this is the point where we get the influx of the mercenaries. Like people aren't purging. Marissa Tomei is like, where did all these gangs come from? And we learned that the NFFA has sent in, you know, mercenary armies essentially to kill off all the poor people because. Which is another thing is that they are just like, they're dressed up like the clan, but it isn't the clan that actually comes in and does these things. Which is which is interesting. I'm not I'm not I'm not pointing that I'm not pointing that out for for a bad reason sure. necessarily. I'm just saying in this movie it is like European mercenaries dressed as the Ku Klux Klan and as like weird generals and stuff like that that are that are like for hire. And it it is it is that part of it is interesting. Yeah. Although I do think that that's just blurry an and sloppy. I think so. they're, they're well. One, I think they're an analog, and two, I think like that's one of those things where I think we're supposed to accept that they're highly trained mercenaries, but I think we're also supposed to accept that like the highly trained mercenaries are like the bad. They're bad people, so they're also Nazis. They're also racist. Yes. They're also so like you know. Yeah. I think they are. Well, they're having fun, and they're yeah. like yeah. I think they are the clan. I do, but I, I also do, think that I do, they're too. like. 
the clan and you know guerrilla mercenaries from Blackwater are are stated as not having just overlapped, but literally being interchangeable, right, yeah. which is you know giving a little bit more credit than is deserved to the the skills of a lot of racists. Well, it's <laughs> a, it's, it's also just it, it's definitely putting more of it on the government and less of it on actual people. Yeah, yeah. And, and like and not like, to say that like, you know, mercenary armies aren't made up of you know, like not to say that infiltration of white power into the army, into police, into yeah. all that thing. That's a legit one hundred percent thing that happens that can be commented on. I don't think this movie is trying very hard to comment on it. No, no, no. Yeah. So like I I again just think that they're supposed to be like, yeah, bad people are mercenaries and they're and because they're bad, they're racist. So there we go. We're done. Right. <laughs> Story told. Yeah, and I mean that 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 is pretty much where the movie ends too. Like I, I'm trying to think of like other major big plot points. It's all just them running to the apartment after this, basically. Right? Yeah, we get a bunch of montages. Basically, we get like you know the KK. We get the intercut scene between the KKK gang and the police gang right. killing a bunch of people. Oh, that, with like, that America the Beautiful. With America the Beautiful playing. Which I hated that. So see, much. there's a part of me that I was like, I wrote, there is no subtlety, but I kind of love this in a weird way, just because it's like so ham fisted. My problem wasn't that they did it; is that it, they it was like a four second clip of a song, and it, like every time they use music in this movie, it just felt like I was like, oh, do, have you heard a song before? Like, do you understand what the purpose of music is? Like, I mean, maybe that didn't just, feel integrated well at all. Aren't you allowed to use, like, a certain amount of snippet without paying royalties? Maybe, uh, maybe that song's were, probably fair use, is it? Maybe, I don't know. I would guess it is, but maybe, I don't know. maybe they were just, like, using songs up to the point. Although they have a fucking Kendrick Lamar song. They have money. They have a budget. They could get yeah whatever they want. But, but yeah, not much happens. They all run to, you know, the NFFA dude admits everything to Marissa Tomei after she becomes suspicious and then kills her. They have a bunch of montages. Your coach, remember you as I hear up. Yeah. They they make it to the the high rise projects and, and I like okay so I like we haven't mentioned one of the other characters oh yes who uh, has my favorite line of the movie okay I'm curious okay uh, seven on seven is that what we're talking seven oh no I was talking about the the character actor mom and her daughter oh she's great yeah she's from she was on Dexter yeah she's on like eight billion yeah TV I guess shows. that's where I remember her yeah. a lot from but. Uh, I I was also gonna say like the 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 side character of D's right hand man seven yeah uh, is he was he's he's like one of those characters who just like conveniently had been in the army so he can like talk about all this stuff <laughs> and yeah. in a way that's intelligent uh, but my favorite thing is so they're getting to the high rise and the drones kill them all everybody except for D basically. yeah D's whole crew and, gets oh, actually seven is lives, which which but, that actually happens after we forgot the last stand of the three kings but oh, that's we don't right. really need to, we kind of yeah. got into it already. literally nothing happens there's a scene they where those dudes we met come back and have a fight scene right. with Nazis yeah and they, Done. they win <laughs> uh, uh, but my favorite thing is like He's having this like intense moment with them where he's like shot up and he's like on the car and he's just like trying to like tell him like you gotta go you gotta go protect the neighbor you gotta protect the the, the tower 
And I felt like what his actual last line should have been was, and you got to take off your shirt before you do it. Because <laughs> then Dimitri just like rips off his shirt and all of a sudden this hot man is just like, I must like put these guns on in the sexiest way possible. And I was like, all right, <laughs> this movie's getting hot. <laughs> yeah. And, and that is when, I will say that's like, when the movie starts to get good for me, and I pause yeah, it, I'm like, the best part of the movie. Yeah. from here on out, I was like, okay. Yeah, and it's only like a funny thing where I looked, and I'm just like, oh, the movie's finally got good now that we're an hour and 20 minutes in, and we've got 25 <laughs> minutes left. Yeah, it's not like 14 minutes left yeah. at this point. But no, my favorite character moment in line that is similar is when they get back, They when there's that cruise coming, this is where they're converging on the right. high-rise, and there's that half of it, and then we have the other half where... Naya, Isaiah, and then the two people they found still alive at the church that we met earlier, the, like, family get there, and they get back in, and this is where we get the blood on the floor moment Mm -hmm. that you're rightfully pointing out is a Skeletor's in the closet (laughs) moment that got cut. (laughs) But (laughs) they literally have been, she's survived essentially, you know, a mass shooting. Yes. Like, Mm -hmm. she was in a church, and men came in in clan robes and murdered all of her friends. (laughs) Yeah, it's all And now she has made her way back home through a landscape of people trying to kill them and dead bodies all around them. There's blood on the floor, and she goes, oh, what's that? And she's like, oh, uh, Isaiah cut himself earlier. I thought I cleaned it all up, but it's probably that. And she instantly goes, oh, okay. I'm sorry about my paranoia. Yeah. We're like, wait. <laughs> paranoia? You're yeah, in a like, war zone. You are literally, people are literally trying to kill you right now. <laughs> you are you not are being like, paranoid. Why are you calling it that? And then she gives the whole fucking speech of, I'm worried about this country. I know. I'm worried about our future. About my Everything's daughter. so scary. And I'm just like, oh my God. Do you really think people couldn't make that connection on their own? It is wild. You have this little faith in the viewing audience that they're going to be like, oh, this is talking about America now. And then I guess the only thing I'll say about the ending sequences is just that like it is what you were saying with like this woman saw a like a bunch of dudes dressed in clan robes come in and shoot up a church. It's like some of this stuff is just it's like way too bleak ugly and confrontational to be handled this stylishly sometimes. And I just, I'm just not convinced that it is a sound thing, you know? I'm like, I don't know if this is okay. I mean, 100% having a literal fetish Nazi leading a death squad of mercenaries in blackface is a bold choice that goes very far beyond Good taste. I guess I'm just saying, like, can you imagine if like the imagery from this movie was basically the same, but it was all handled like more seriously? And I feel like we get a glimpse of it when he's choking oh, yeah. out that soldier, which is the super satisfying. And, and like, I think the only like legitimately powerful moment in the film where I don't know if I go quite that far, but I see what you're no, saying. No, no, no. I would. Because yeah. a bit, but no, because of the way it's shot and because they drop all the pretense of this being a fun movie and they force you to just sit there with that guy's hands around his throat, just choking the life out of him. And you're just like staring at that crazy black face mask and then he fucking rips it off. And like that, yeah, blonde hair and face. It's like, that is done well. And yeah. Like, from a visual 
from a visual language perspective, that moment is powerful. And in a different movie, it could have, like, I think the entire film could have played off. I guess that's what I'm so pissed about, is that a good Purge movie exists. Like, a really, really good Purge movie is possible. We're just never going to get it. Yeah, I think I stopped being pissed about that a while ago, just because I stopped believing a good Purge movie was possible at, like, two. Yeah. And, like, and just, like, this one, expect like, I went into this essentially because I, I had Movie Pass, and it was <laughs> when Movie Pass was going to its hellhole of, like, we just see anything you yeah. want. No, no, no. It was like oh, at the end no. of that when it was like, we've lost all our money. You, you can, can see one see. movie. And I'm like, <laughs> gotta be the purge. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm canceling this and I'm getting them the last of my money's worth. And a friend of mine, Rudy, who I'm in a band with, was like, do you want to go see The Purge? And I'm like, fuck it. Last movie passed. Let's do this. And I, yeah. and I was like, and I went in expecting just to be angry. Yeah. And I came out being like, that was terrible, but I had some fun, which yeah. is more than I can say for any other one. So like, but but I agree with you that that is the only moment that actually felt like something like whoa, this is kind of intense. Yeah, like yeah. nothing else feels right. intense in this movie. And every death is just like quick in this yeah. movie. They don't sit with it at all. But this is like they really force you to sit with this. Yeah, which is which we get literally right after we got the whole like uh, Dolores coming home and being like. I shit my pants. Yeah, I lost my phone and I had to run home and my stomach was all gurgly and then I shit on myself a little bit. You're just like, what is happening? And they're all like, ha 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 ha. Yeah, it's like, oh, Dolores. They're sharing this late moment. Like, we only have 20 minutes left. The purge. They're coming for you. You know they're coming for you. There's a literal death squad coming to murder us, but you pooped on yourself. That's funny. Christ. This movie's stressing me out just talking about it again. Dolores also gets when, you know, D makes his way back and they're like gearing up for their final stand, essentially. Like he's been, as yeah. you said, raid killing his way through. And I love how he all of a sudden knows Kung Fu. He's like oh, jumping yeah. off walls and snapping necks and like doing like low kicks and sweeps and stuff. Hey, I, as when I was watching this with Liz, I, I had the line of, when it was like, why does he know who was pointing out that he was just effortlessly killing all these mercenaries? Yeah, was, and yeah. my line to give him was like, how are you doing this? Was, they get hired for war. I live it every day. Yeah, something like, like he that. needed something yeah. like that to be a badass. Like, he needed his, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Stallone, one-liner moment. My, uh, my other complaint about the end, by the way, is just the visuals of the CG. There's so much just, Oh, like, I, I wanted to... Before we do that, my other Christ. favorite Dolores moment, uh-huh. though, is when they're gearing up for their final stand. And she goes... And they're, like, pulling out, like, spatulas. And then she's like, what, are we gonna have a barbecue or something? And she's like... Oh wait, I forgot! And pulls out a twenty-pound handgun that's like four feet long. It's like Jack Nicholson in the Batman, like pulling that gun out of his pants that never stops. Like, wait, you forgot about that fucking massive handgun that you've had this whole time? And then they're all immediately like, "You can't use that." Yeah, and like, and you, you like, okay, so they set up that this gun is like the end-all, be-all, like world stopper and then they just they just use it like a regular gun after that yeah naya's like i'll take that and they're like how do you know how to use a gun and then they're like wait they none of these characters this none of these characters who know each other so well and have been portrayed as part of like a very 
very tight-knit community of people yeah. who talk about each other all the time and, like, are really up on what's going on in one another's lives. Or, like, who's your ex... Who's this ex-boyfriend that knows how to use a gun? Like, what are you talking about? Like, uh, it's Dimitri, you know, the person she dated in public and clearly, like, you all knew that she dated for many years, probably? Yeah. Like, what is this? And then after she uses the gun, he, she's like, oh, D, that's why you know how to use a gun. And right, it's like, like, in case we missed that. Like, they also had said that, like, she was a part of the trade. Like, dude, she's just a badass, also. Like, she was attracted to D because she was in that world. Yeah. Like, not, like... I had a boyfriend who, like, corrupted me. Like, I just, what is this yeah, shit? Yeah, she went down that path and clearly was, like... Chose not to. Chose, yeah, she chose to leave it. It's but, all so muddled. It's just all so muddled yeah. at the end here. Well, and also, like, clearly, based on the respect he has for her still and the fact that she is clearly also a community leader, just of the different segments of the community, like, they very much... I mean, I think probably what they were attempting to be is like have them be the Malcolm X and the Martin Luther King figures, but they do a bad, bad job of it. But I think that's what they were supposed to be at a certain stage of like these two people who have different divergent paths that maybe like one's a little too moralistic and high minded and one's a little too aggressive and, you know, and pragmatic and willing to like bend the rules. But really they have a deep respect and love for each other. But like, and, and like, I just don't, how is that a, how, how is that a trope that we're still dealing with so much too? Like, like it's a trope that's been, you know, debunked historically between those two figures to begin with. And then, and then to like, just constantly apply it metaphorically to films that have black characters in it for the rest of history is just very frustrating to watch over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, I don't think the director did that shit. Like, I think James wrote that shit in there. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're probably correct on that. And so, yeah, I don't know. But... A but, CG. With, but yeah, we get the CG ex- explosion, which again... There's also just so much blood spurts of CG, gun, CG gunshots and stuff. Yeah, like. I don't mind that that much. Like, it's not great, but it's fine. But like, the explosion bugged the fuck out of oh, me. The blood splatter on... The fake blood splatter on the lens... <laughs> oh god I, I was just like this is like I was like okay I love that I love that filmmakers are finally starting to realize that some of the most interesting new filmmakers are fucking video game designers but that doesn't mean you have to make your action scenes look like Resident Evil 7 just cause you like playing Resident Evil 7 it's so fucking stupid how'd you feel about all the lens flares <laughs> god, just, I hate fucking man my CG thing that I hated was when they kill everyone with the explode. where they, one, I don't really, I guess they pulled that giant pack of C4 explosive off of one of the dead guys. Yeah. Which, what, where, why, how, none of that made sense, but okay, you've got this explosive now. And they throw it, and I love that they throw it, and he suddenly, he misses twice when shooting. It's like, you just like... Killed literally an entire mercenary death squad. I believe that you can shoot the thing. Why did you make him miss? Like, that was unnecessary. But, yeah. like, but when he shoots it, the explosion goes and a fireball engulfs and kills Skeletor, who is returned to be the hero? Or just the agent of chaos. Yeah, and all the Nazi death squad people, and like they have to do a slow motion leap out of the way of the fireball, and the explosion expands outward and then implodes back 
into it itself. Tracks. It's very and everything is still standing. It's very bizarre. Like the only thing that there's seemingly, like CG singe. There's some singe on a mattress, right? But like it didn't even knock the wall down. That it exploded next to. Yeah, it's tr- yeah. And I'm like, wait. As Dolores is leaving the apartment, you do see that it's like pretty fucked up. But you're right. Like, the way they portray the actual explosion is just exactly what you're describing. Yeah, I mean, that would have at the very least blown out the side that entire floor, that wall. Like, a bomb going off in a building will not just make a fireball that then goes out instantly. It, it's like, it's, it's the, it's, what it is is that ever since Die Hard... C4 has just had magical properties in all of film. And I don't know, this is another thing where it's being a professional wrestling fan, uh, C4 is something that uh, has been used many times, uh, in Japan especially, to have uh, rings, usually made out of barbed wire, explode when wrestlers hit them. And they they are just like these... Very loud booms and puffs of white smoke come out, and like they're the flame is contained to a very small place, and so it's just like so funny that C four has is just like this magical uh, movie thing that has just had taken on a life of its own over the yeah. years. Well, do we get the final line of what do we do now? Now that they've survived the night, and D, now we. Fight. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I, thought, I literally thought he was going to be like, we resist. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be coming. Yeah. And then there's like... Although a, you saying resist reminds me, there is a queer character in this movie. In the opening montage, in the top left corner, you can see a pride flag that says resist and a march. Okay. So don't tell me there's no representation, <laughs> <Pierce>. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then we get like... I, the only my other main complaint about this movie is that we don't get enough post credit sequence because like sometimes the purge post credit stuff is, or like the end of purge stuff is like some of the most interesting stuff in the movie where it's like oh there's a civil war starting that's cool <laughs> uh, but this movie was just like yeah we're gonna do this every year now yeah yeah and then it ends I guess I should rate this well you should I don't know no I don't no care. go first although I feel like there was one thing I forgot to mention that I was going to bring up. Uh, but I don't remember what it is, and there's it's impossible that it was important, so I'll just let it be. Let's rate this fucking garbage fire. I clearly, I think as I said to you before we recorded, like, if I were a professional reviewer, my headline for this film would have been A Purge Too Far, or maybe A Purge Too Many. Uh, I was just over it by this point, and I... Definitely agree with you that there's a lot of cool stuff to latch on to and, like, get excited about in this movie. And perhaps if I had seen it in a theater with uh, a reactionary crowd that was, like, you know, experiencing this stuff in real time, I would have found it to be a really interesting and compelling experience. I, I probably would have. But isolated on its own at 3 o'clock in the morning when I was very tired and just not in the mood for this bullshit... <laughs> I just couldn't get on board with this concept anymore. And I was just like, this is, this, these films are just ugly to me at this point. <laughs> and like, I don't have fun in their world at all. 
and I'm done with it, although I probably will watch the TV series just because I'm fucking sick in the brain, and I'm curious about it now, but I will give this movie, uh, I will give it, I'll give it 1.75 cats. All right. One pretty arbitrary number. Hey, yeah, yeah. I will say, I enjoy this movie. I think this movie is utter garbage. I think it's horribly, like, I think that you could easily watch this and be horribly offended. I think you could easily watch this and just be, like, your reaction makes total sense to me. I understand watching this movie and just being like, I'm over this. I'm angry that I have to watch this. And I'm angry that they're just bilking more money out of this dead premise. Yeah. But... Because for me, I have yet to enjoy anything about the Purge franchise, my expectations were so low that the fact that it was bad enough to make me laugh at times and the fact that there were a few moments that I was like, that was actually kind of badass, I'll admit it, made me have fun watching it. So if I'm talking about like how good is this movie, if we're rating on like the movie itself as a piece of art. This is a one-cat film at best. <laughs> However, for me, for the experience of watching it and the experience of, like, if you can get the right people to watch this with and you can have the right experience, I think this can go up to a three-cat film. Solely based on the experience of making fun of it with your friends. If you are someone who likes so bad it's good movies, I think this movie has enough ridiculous fun and enough ridiculous failure that you can find ways to laugh at it with your friends. Other than that, this movie is worthless and should be like, it should be the last Purge film. They have to stop making these. They won't. They should. And... I, I think that any of the social commentary that worked was accidental at best or was totally responsible of the director who, like, clearly, if he's producing Fruitville Station, has at least some some knowledge of how this shit functions. Some artistic integrity. Some artistic well. integrity <laughs> and some, you know, something. And he managed to, like... It almost feels like I'll take one for the team and attach myself to this fucking shit so that maybe at least it's less racist this time. Like, that's the best I could say for why he would want to direct this because yeah. he's like, I can't let DeMarco or DiMaggio or whatever his fucking <laughs> name is, I can't let him make another white savior movie. So I'm gonna step in here so at least I can put my foot down and like direct it in a way that the white people aren't the aren't the pure saviors, and the black people aren't pure victims. And maybe that's the movie Marissa Tomei signed on for. Maybe you know, maybe she was supposed to be, end up being one of the main heroes of the film, and it's that that's a possibility too, which is a weird thing to think about. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's I'd true. To, I'd love to know more about the, that's, the making of this film. That's actually true. There could be a movie in which D is not the hero at yeah. all, and. The bad guy is just, oh man, that's the other movie, yeah, where yeah. the bad guy is literally Skeletor hired by the New Founding Fathers of America, and she is the pure scientist who genuinely thought, like, she's the Oppenheimer right. that's, like, unleashed the atom bomb and thought, oh, I think this is going to work, and this could actually save society, and then she realizes, oh god, they're manipulating this to 
wage a genocidal campaign, which is what I set up for. And they have this guy on the inside, this crazy man who's killing people. And she goes in and somehow manages to stop it and save them and blows the whistle. I think you're right. I think there is the James DiMaggio white savior (laughs) movie that exists in here. But it didn't get made, and through reshoots, got turned into this amalgam of fuckery. Yeah, yeah, that is that really does seem very, very possible to me. Oh God, I want to, I want to read that fucking first draft of this now. I want to find lot, it. There's a lot about this movie I'm curious about, and I would love to know more about. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our, I guess our our investigative homework. We'll try to break into. We'll wait till crime is legal, and then we'll break into that dude's house and steal all his treatments for. The Purge movies. And then we'll tell you all about it next time we do a Purge movie or TV show on this podcast. <laughs> Which hopefully. I'm sure, we will. <laughs> Which we will, but hopefully <laughs> won't be for a while. while. <laughs> yeah. I need a break. I need a break. Oh, we all need a break. <laughs> I also love that this is one of our longest episodes. I know. Like, wow, we're really clocking in deep here. <laughs> all right. Well, that's just, now that our Purge episode is longer than the Purge franchise we itself. Today. We have purged ourselves. So with that in mind, I'm Jay Johnson. And I'm Pierce McLean. Thanks for listening.